Welcome to another VRL USA podcast. This is Alan. Um, I'm here with Siddharth and Zach, and we're kind of, um, well, let's just say here in California, it is rainy and foggy and cool, and I know a lot of parts of the U.S. are really cold, and that kind of matches our mood right now, I expect. Um, the Betis match was a disaster, um, refereed by a disaster of a referee, I would also add. Um, but we now are looking at the Europa League as being kind of the, hopefully, the savior of our season, I guess. So, Sid, uh, you have always been our big optimist on here. So tell me where you are now. <laughs> Well, I was going to say, I think after the, the last podcast we did after last weekend's match, maybe not as much, um, but but uh, I, <laughs> I was turning over in my head the phrase, but could they do it on a Thursday evening in Stoke kind of thing? Uh, <laughs> and, and I feel like that's that's basically where we are, because now, now that we... And I remember Zach. I think uh, when we were about to play Betis the first time this year, we were struggling to score goals. And I was I was thinking, turning over in my head, I know what you had said, and still very uh, appropriate was, well, tell me if we don't score a couple of goals against Betis, and then I'll be concerned. So <laughs> I I suppose we've uh, we've come full circle there. Uh, we scored on a penalty, which you know, uh, for for the goal that was taken away, perhaps we we received a rather soft penalty uh, in in return. And um, yeah, I, I mean, I think it's 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 both ways. Um, you know, defensively shaky. Um, you know, goalie Albiol made a made a pretty you know big error that create, led to the first goal. Uh, I think we know our our sort of wing backs have not not been the greatest defensively either. I don't even know what you want to call the midfield that was uh, that was put together. Those three players being picked together, you know, could have taken a thousand to one on our midfield being comprised of those three players in a league match um, at any point this season. And then up front, just. You know, and and I don't even know how much to blame the players up front for this one because I don't think they the midfield created anything. So it would have been rather difficult. It would have just been one of those sort of a thirty yard run uh, created by one player uh, to make something happen. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. But you look at more than that, then I think sort of and we talked about this some the last time, Alan health. You know. It's yeah. the the health situation only seems to be getting worse. You know, when Manu Trigueros picking up his fifth yellow card means that the midfield is Baena, Foyth, and Parejo. You know, that that's that's a big problem. Right. Um, right. And I, you know, whether it's the lack of choices, I don't think the substitutions did anything. I don't think the players who were brought on, <laughs> you know, you would have looked at and said, okay, you know, the impact subs in this match, which we sort of need to at least not lose. We're going to really bring on Jaume Costa, Baca, and Raba. And mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. those are going to be the players we're hoping to overturn a two-goal deficit. Right. Um, so right. I think you sort of look at it globally, Um and and I don't I don't think anything is working particularly well at this point. Yeah, Zach. I I mean, I, yeah. I I agree with a lot of that. I was absolutely flabbergasted when I pulled up my because I ended up watching the game after the fact. So I pull up my app to see who the starting lineup is, and I look at the midfield, and I'm like, what the crap is that? Like, I, I just it, it was one of those things that you knew immediately wasn't going to work. Um, mm-hmm. What I think would have would have been much better to just start in a four four two, so that you don't have to find three midfielders in a, in a situation where we don't have three real midfielders right now. Um. <sighs> The weird thing about the offense is scoring is depressed across the entire league. We're we're still like fourth in the league in expected goals and sixth in non-penalty expected goals. 
somehow we've drawn like the most penalties in La Liga the last two seasons. And I'm, I'm still scratching my head to figure out exactly how we've done that. Um, but I don't know. It, on a, like, you, like you said, on a day like yesterday, that midfield was never going to create a whole lot of chances for the front three. Um, Albiol on that first goal on that throw in, I think it's the third one that I clearly remember this season. And I'm sure there's been one or two more where Albiol's found himself sprinting straight backwards in a foot race that he was never going to win on a goal. Mm -hmm. Um, It Mm -hmm. happened once against Barcelona. Uh, It happened on that long ball over the top against Granada that Soldado scored on. Uh, And it happened yesterday where a ball goes over his head. He takes off sprinting and everybody knows that he's not going to catch the guy. So I, I saw some folks in the comments of uh, Robin's report from yesterday's game talking about wanting to press more. Uh, but it's kind of hard to press more when one of your center backs, who's a good center back, but when one of your center backs is going to lose every single foot race he gets caught in. So um, really mm-hmm. frustrating match, really frustrating run of form. Um, but in that run of form, we've also had a few really bad breaks late in matches. So it's kind of it's kind of hard to evaluate, I think. Yeah, I think... I guess to me, the things that were surprising, uh, um, I'm really surprised at trying to keep a 4-3-3 with the starters that were used. I mean, that just was asking for basically what we got for most of the match. Um, and let's be fair. I mean, the you know, Manzano is just a terrible referee. It's not just that he's biased. He's just bad. And that... Right. that um, that uh, penalty was an absolute joke. So, <laughs> you know, I mean, I, I don't think there's any question about that. So really, we created essentially nothing for most of the match. And that's not surprising, given that we essentially ceded control of midfield with, with who we had out there. Um, so I was really surprised. I think the two surprises for me and the two things that I would say Emery should be looking at Number one is we, um, if we can't, if we don't have the personnel right now to play a 4-3-3, then go to a 4-4-2. A lot of the Real's players, that's kind of what they're used to anyway. It's in their, it's in their DNA, so to speak. I think that would have been a better move. Um, the second thing is, and I, I, I think we need to drop a Senho and give Ruli a go because. I just, I mean, the second goal yesterday was um, a mistake on his part, and I just don't think he's been as sharp this year. I don't know, you know, why that is, if it's if it's fatigue or what, but uh, I, I really think we need to um, give him a rest and uh, put Ruli in as in the league as well as in Europa. I don't know that that's something that um, Emery's going to do. Um, I think that, you know, it's one of those things that if Rui doesn't pan out and you make that move, then all you've done is unsettle a long-time club servant for nothing. Um, but I, I will say that Asenjo's I mentioned last season on a podcast that I was a little concerned about his actual shot stopping ability. And mm-hmm. that has in the, in the data, in the analytics, it's just gotten a whole lot worse this year. So I definitely see where you're concerned about that. Yeah. Cause it's, it just seems to me as though he's, we're seeing goals given up um, on last couple of years. It seemed to me that we might have, you know, once or twice a season where we'd say, Oh, you know, Asenho really could have done better there or, you know, his positioning wasn't very good or whatever, but man, we've had several, it seems as almost, you know, every, every match or every second match. Now we're getting these goals where he's just not stopping shots that we look at. And it's like, ah, that I don't mind losing to a really good goal from the opposition, but, when you're when you kind of scratch your head, is like, well, how did that go in? Um, that's not a good sign, and that's happened a couple of times. I I appreciate what you say about Emery, uh, about it's a dangerous move to make because if you uh, if it backfires, then you as you say you've, you've just unsettled him and you haven't really improved things. But I I don't know. I think it might be time to make it. It might especially be time to make it if what we're 
realizing is that we are um, in danger of falling out of the Europa League places for next year. And um, just to, just to talk through the analytics on it for just a second um, for those interested in that. So uh, post-shot expected goals uh, minus goals allowed, which is basically the the post-shot analysis of what the keeper ought to have done with it. Uh, Asenho is minus three and a half goals so far this year, which means he's given up three and a half more goals than he should have based on the shots that he's faced. Okay. Uh, but, you know, if you go back and look at um, you know, Rui, you know, he was in 2018-2019 for Real Sociedad, he was minus 1.3 in the season, but the year before that, he was minus 8.3 for the season. So it's one of those things where, like, you might get an improvement from Rui, or you might get something that's a whole lot worse. And I don't think, you know, I don't know, we don't see him on the training pitch every day, so I don't know what Emery's seeing, but we don't really know, based on their track records, whether or not Rui's going to give us something better. Yeah. What was the Sinho's... Yeah, uh, now... Oh, I was going to jump in and say I I don't even... The area in which that makes some sense to me in what Alan is saying is we definitely had this conversation at the beginning of the year talking about how uh, Emery had an opportunity to sort of no Santi, no Bruno, to sort of stamp his authority on the team. Um, You know... Other captain Mario has been out, and I'm I'm not sure if we even heard a timetable exactly on when he's expected. But kind of you've turned over the senior leadership of the team. I think Asenho is really the last guy there. You know, it's interesting to see that Albiol has actually been the captain um, for the last few matches. Um, yeah, and and obviously that's a pretty significant changing of the guard. Um, considering all of the players, you know, who were stacked up ahead. I think, I suppose maybe Trigueros might have been if he had, if he had played, but mm-hmm. not, not mm-hmm. exactly sure. Cause I think he played last week. I think Albiol was still captain. Um, yeah. Albiol has been captain for every match that he, every match we've had since uh, December 29th. Mm. Ah. Awesome. Um, mm. But, I think the one place that it would be noticeable is sort of no, there's no golden goose anymore. Um, meaning, you know, if Asendo can be benched, anybody can be benched. Yeah. Uh, and, and this is really sort of about play. Yeah. And I'll, I'll agree with you, uh, Zach, that, you know, we don't exactly know what we have in Ruley and the reason he went on loan to Montpellier, you know, when La Real has not, you know, had a great history of excellent goalkeeping or otherwise is because he's been rather inconsistent and frankly has had some sort of uh, sorties out of his goal that, that have, have resulted in him looking bad. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But I think it's more of a message to to the squad and if you don't think there's significant drop-off performance-wise, then maybe it's it's a risk. But as you say, if he plays poorly, you've certainly uh, mm-hmm. damaged Asenho's confidence as well. Yeah, yeah, that's that's a it's a tough one. But I was going to ask Zach what what were Asenho's stats the year before? Because or the last couple of years, you said he was minus three point one this year. So, so for the for the season, this stat only goes back to seventeen eighteen, uh, at least in the database I have. Okay. So seventeen eighteen, he was plus two point five for the year. Plus eighteen uh, nineteen, he was plus four point two for the year. Um, last year, he was minus zero point five for the year, and then this year, he's huh. minus okay. three point five. Interesting. Year. So, so basically, kind of what I I think our eyes are. There's definitely been a drop off over the last couple of years. I guess I'm, um, if anything, I'm slightly. I slightly would have thought he was a little better a year ago, but maybe not. Um, but yeah, but yeah. but definitely and, and a drop that, off from his peak. Is that minus three point five extrapolated, Alan? I mean, um, Zach. No, or is that, that, that is that that's two day. That's two day. Yikes. Okay, so that's so, more like a minus five. Yeah, minus five, minus five and a half, something if you extrapolate it to the rest of the season, yeah. Okay. So that's, that's not good. Um, 
and and I think that's uh, so that's that's one thing that I think maybe is worth considering. I guess the other it's also worth noting though, if I can, um, one point eight of that is just from the last time we played Granada. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because we we only gave up. Zero, we got zero point two expected goals, and they scored twice. So, so that you know, uh, half that is one match. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the other thing, and I don't know if this is a this is applying necessarily to him, but I'm kind of think in a general sense. I I feel as though, and I can't remember some someone mentioned this on one of the comment threads that you, you know you've you've got a number of players who if you're basically if you haven't been injured you've been playing a lot and now we've had this string of sort of bad luck unfortunate goals at ends of matches stuff like that mentally i think that's got to be a factor too it just i i really from what people were saying yesterday about the match it just didn't seem like mentally we were in a really good place either and that that's something that's obviously has to change um is that what you guys saw watching it um i I think it's one of those things where the 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 narrative for obvious reasons the narrative surrounding a team gets driven by results so it's like the narrative on our current situation looks entirely different mm-hmm, if mm-hmm. Real Sociedad get match ends a minute sooner or the Granada match, you know, if we convert a penalty in the 95th minute, you know, suddenly the narrative looks completely different on where we're sitting. And, and so I think it's one of those things that it's hard as fans because you're emotionally tied up in the results. But to kind of, when you step back and you look at big picture and you say, okay, you know, th- things are not going the way we want them to go. There are things we can do to improve, but really and truly things are not going nearly as badly as it might feel like they're going right now. Sid? And, yeah, and I, I don't disagree with that, Zach, but I think it comes back to the question of the Emory hiring, right? I think expectations were raised, money was spent, um, you know, we've purchased, as you have noted rightfully many times, an older team with the idea of this being a two to three year sort of window to generate. And I think in, you know, a couple of weeks, you know, we crashed out of the Copa when certainly there was a good chance this year, um, you know, to get to a final. Mm-hmm. Um, we have completely eviscerated our chances for the top four um, in a year when Barcelona and Real Madrid both have struggled. And and by the way, I should note, I think at one point a couple months ago, I said Atletico will have about a 10-point lead in January, and mm-hmm. that's spot on with mm-hmm. where we are. Because mm-hmm. um, Real Madrid and Barcelona are you don't. You have no idea what you're going to get from them on a match-to-match basis whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know we're going into the Europa League hobbled, not having a great idea of who our best eleven is, and we have a very good opponent. Um, so, you know, are they the favorites? Probably. I think when you go look at this tie on paper. Um, and so we could, and again, nobody's saying this is Real Madrid or Barcelona, or you got to win a trophy or be close every year. But mm-hmm. I think we are, you know, 10 days away from basically just, can we hold on to a top six place? And that's, that's, you know, that's all that's left in the season. And I don't, I don't think given our start, given what we spent, um, even given the way we were looking at the January transfer window to bring in someone like Kapu to say, oh, you know, we think the difference between us making, you know, having a run at the top four or not is replacing Ibora. Mm-hmm. It just seems like the wheels have come off pretty quickly. And I think 
you know, that's evidenced by the fact that our, you know, our last win that was not in the cup was that match against Celta, which is almost you know, six weeks ago. Yeah, it does seem as though, I mean, watching that, I think that's been the surprise to me is how I, I think we knew that, I mean, we're going to give up goals. We're, you know, we're going to give up some goals. That's going to happen. But I think what I um, have been surprised at is the way that our offense has just really fallen flat. Now, you know, sure, you can say part of it is, you know, Gerard being out. Part of it is Paco being out. And then after he's come back, he's obviously not, you know, at, at, at full strength the way he was before. But frankly, given our roster, we ought to have had enough ability to play through these things. And, it, and at least if we lose where we've gotten 20 shots on goal like we did against Levante in the Cup, well, that happens. But I think the frustrating thing is like matches like yesterday where we had, what, no shots on goal in the first half? Something like that. I mean, it's that's the part that's that's been um, troubling is that it, it seems as though our offense is really struggling. So, and, my, and I my just want to throw that in. But I was going to throw this to you, Zach, as well. That I mean, couldn't we have used Kubo? And, and again, there obviously were fifty things going on as to the reason for it, but it sure seems like. Gosh, that would have been a better option than anything else we had yesterday. Um, and circumstances were, yes, there were many reasons that that he left. But, you know, again, just in terms of resources, we had him. Mm-hmm. And it's not like they're, they're, you know, it's not like they really could have done anything to force his way out. Um, and it's one thing if, you know, you've got many other options similar to him off the bench. We had nothing yesterday. Oh, I think that's completely fair. Um, I think it's, um, yeah, I mean, they, it, it's kind of weird that on deadline day, we're linked with like three different right-sided attackers. And it's like, well, okay, but if you're scrambling like this, why did you let, you know, why did you let this guy run over to Hitafe? Like, I, I don't you know, I, I completely understand the question there. Um, and I think, I think that one probably boils down to a valid, uh, you know, a valid defense of Emery, which is, you know, the idea that um, he's extremely principled and if players aren't going to play Emery's way, he's not going to adjust to them. He's just not going to play them. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, I, I, I understand that he's that way. And I think big picture, it's fine that he's that way. But yeah, in that instance, I think it causes a problem. But, you know, I, I also think it's one of those things that if somebody told you before the year, like, okay, we're going to go into this La Liga season, and by the middle of February, um, Gerard will have missed seven games, Paco will have missed 12, Samu will have missed eight, Mario Gaspar will have missed 16, and in mid-December, Ebor is going to blow out his knee for the rest of the year. How do you think the team's going to be doing? And you know, if somebody lays it to you like if somebody laid it to you like that in August or September, we're all going to sit there and say, "Look, hey, if, you know, if we're sitting in European places, fine, great, you know, we'll take it." And I understand that the uh, that big picture, the expectations raise when you bring in Emery and that he was brought in to win trophies. Mm-hmm. But in the same, uh, on the other hand, like. <laughs> you navigate all the, the myriad of injuries we've had, especially in attack, midfield and attack this season. I just, I have no idea. I don't have an idea either. I think the disappointment for me is that I have always thought, I mean, I've, I've, I've always liked Emery as a coach um, going back to Valencia and every and everything and I and I think part of it was I always thought he was really good at figuring out how to play the opponent. He certainly did that against Villarreal um, for Valencia and was very successful. And I always expected that part of why I was excited when we hired him as a coach is I thought he would be more able to respond to different 
opponents and more able to get the most out of our roster. Um, but, and maybe the fact that we've just had so many injuries has precluded that. But I think the disappointing part for me, and I think for some of the commenters on the site has just been that it hasn't really mattered who we've put out there the um in recent weeks the the trend has just not been good we just haven't looked good and that's well, you know isn't isn't emory's ability to adjust to different opponents the reason why we almost never lose though i mean the only team that has fewer league losses than us is athletic come like isn't mm-hmm. there you know in yeah, a sport yeah. where you can't finish in a tie isn't there something to be said for yeah, we're not we're not taking losses left and right despite the injuries and despite being in bad form. Yeah, that's that's true, and I think that and I think you're and I think as you say, the narrative is sort of driven by the last couple of results. Which um, so it you know maybe the the takeaway is that the difference between happy and sad is really um, you're sort of on a knife edge here, as you say. If we had if we had um, uh, if we had gotten the penalty against, if we had scored the penalty against Granada, if uh, the whistle hadn't blown um, yesterday, although I think that would have been a completely undeserved draw. Um, if, you know, I mean, they're just, there are these things that have all happened sort of at the end of matches. Um, yeah. I mean, that's a fair, that's a fair statement. I think that, I think the problem is that then when we don't defeat or when we lose to the teams that are really our sort of more or less direct rivals, then the fact that we didn't pick up draw, that we only picked up a draw against those bottom teams is really, that to me is, is the real story of the season is the fact that we, of the newly promoted teams, we haven't beaten any of them. Yeah. So I think, I think that's the question, Zach is, wouldn't you rather play a little bit more hit or miss against the bottom teams because if you lose you know again not to be not to be john madden in this conversation but rather than two draws if we're picking up a win and a loss you're gonna take that over the course of a year i think the problem has just been you know what 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 are we doing against Wesca and lj and Cadiz? i mean the, the that's the question okay you end up with a draw against Real Sociedad. Honestly, I thought those were two pretty competitive, even matches, probably mm-hmm. fair results. But you've got to go sort of cash in your chips against the worst teams, else those draws at the last minute do end up looking bad. And that's where, again, and I, and I think the expectation created fairly unfairly by the fact that we felt like we have a real manager for the first time since Marcelino and, you know, some of the issues we have closing out matches were, you know, fitness were sort of discipline order in the system, etc. And I don't think we've seen that those things have gotten better. And again, there may be different reasons to attribute for it, but at some point, you've got to say team scoring on us late in games is a mental thing as much as it's a physical thing. Yeah, I, I do think it's worth pointing out, though, that like you talked about the value or potential value of being a little bit more hit or miss. Um, that's exactly where we were last season. Uh, last season, by by February 15th, uh, we had eight losses and I think 11 wins. And so, you know, and so we, we were more hit or miss and the, the sum total of it was um, uh, one point fewer than what we have now in a league that where that resulted in being two spots lower in the table than we are now. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I, I think it's one of those things that it, it, the Emory's way of doing it isn't the dramatic improvement that we, we were hoping for when you get the guy that, you know, um, you know, that, that has his own masterclass floating out there, but, you know, but at the same time, I think it has been better and, you know, and he's done this while juggling European competition, which we didn't do last year. So we've got slightly better league performance while juggling a European competition while not going out to a second tier team in the Copa. I mean, there it's marginal gains, but it is improvement over where we were last year. 
Okay, that's that's a, that's a good point. I want to take a brief break, and then when we come back, I want to talk a little bit more about Emory, but then I also want to talk about the Europa League match coming up and sort of what where we see that and how that might define our season. So we'll be right back. Okay, one thing I wanted to ask um, is, I, I'm, I'm trying to remember, I think it was a commenter on um, Twitter who made the comment that the Spanish league maybe has changed from when Emery was here before. Is there any truth to that? And if so, do we know what it might be? I mean, I'm remembering when he was when he was coaching before. I mean, Barcelona and Madrid. I think that was sort of at the height of their duopoly, wasn't it? But I don't remember how bad the bottom teams. Maybe the point is simply when I think about it, it's that the bottom teams aren't as bad as they used to be. Mm-hmm. I, I'll buy that. I think the league has gotten overall more competitive. And I think that's a, an opposite trend from a league like England, where I think we're really seeing some of those bottom teams. They're just kind of anchored. Um, you know, I think a lot of people in the Premier League have basically said the bottom three are going down and we're in February, mm-hmm. um, which obviously is it's you know January or December of a normal season. Uh, so I think that's the case. Again, I'm not, I'm not sure what exactly that is saying. <laughs> I, I don't know if that actually is somewhat of a more damning indictment because I think the top teams are worse than mm-hmm. they were. Mm-hmm. They're not the same juggernauts than that they used to be. Um, that that he was coming behind. Um, but I think I think the league has changed some. I definitely think one thing for the bottom teams and really even for the mid table teams is. You don't see minus 25s in the goal differential um, all over the place. And, you know, you used to see teams just, you know, coming up and even teams that survived with just these atrocious things. They'd go and just, you know, six, seven nil to Barcelona Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. and just try and hang in there with uh, with teams around them. I mean, you know, Mm -hmm. this season you have the bottom teams going and getting results. Uh, against top four teams, um, and and so that I think I think there's more of a belief, maybe in some sense, uh, that that they can hang in there. Um, so I, I don't I don't know what the sum total of, of that point is. I think it is harder probably to go consistently and get three points against the bottom teams. Um, and, you know, again, compare that to maybe his recent experiences in England and France, where it's just Arsenal, PSG, whoever it is, Mm. it's going there and they're playing a team in the bottom half. They're just, they're going to win that match. Um, I, I think a couple things are being worth point or worth pointing out here. One that Emery stepped back into the most defensive La Liga that I can remember. Like I, I don't ever remember there being this few goals scored in the league in general. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, and, and I think the other thing that's going on though is we can't act like Unai Emery just ran all over the place in La Liga when he was with Sevilla. Like, his finishes with Sevilla in the league were fifth, fifth, seventh, and fourth. So like. Um, so wait, I'm not. I'm, I'm sorry. I, I don't even think the fourth place was him. I think yeah, the fourth place was was after he left. So um, yeah, so it, it, he didn't. He won three Europa Leagues, finishing fifth, fifth, and seventh as as Sevilla's manager. So it, it's one of those things that like you know February out of the Copa, uh, still in Europe, sitting around the European places is kind of just normally where Unai Emery sits. So I, I don't know what you do with a narrative about the league changing while he was away because he's doing the same thing in the league now that he did before he left. Hmm. Well, I think, but, but the Valencia performance Valencia was different, was right? And I think that's what we would have compared it to more directly. Yeah, probably. It's a, it's a fair, I, I think the thing that, and maybe I'm, you know, maybe I'm wrong, but I think that the thing that is different when I think about the league compared to certainly, you know, 2010 or even 2015 is that 
and I can't remember exactly how Emory managed um, Valencia with this, but certainly it was much more possible to manage your season um, almost like, um, as you say, you, you, the bottom teams were bad enough, and, and even the teams that were like, say, 12th through 16th or, se or 17th were mediocre enough that you really could sort of prioritize your your matches against the against the other people in the top half of the table. And I think that's much more difficult now because as we've seen even the teams that are at the bottom are much more pragmatic and willing to try and, you know, hold on and and maybe nick a 1-1 draw or a nil-nil draw and at most suffer a 1-0 loss, where, you know, when we had teams like uh, Paco's Rio out there, it was like, well, let's lose 8-2, but let's have let's have fun, you know. That that seems to have changed. So maybe that's what it is. I don't, I don't know. I mean, I think, I do think that we expected to be further along than we are, but we certainly didn't expect all the injuries. But Let's look at the and 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 and, and uh, Zach just to know he was so he was looks like he was sixth third 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 at Valencia, Valencia yeah. and again I don't I don't know that I would have said he's coming in and finishing third this season, but I think you know well, that, yeah that was that, one, was that was before that was before Simeone got to Atletico so it was a whole different ball of wax at the top of the league I mean. Yeah, true, but he, true, yeah. he you know one of those years he did that after selling Via and Silva so. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. expectations are different but i think on on either side somebody would have said okay let's let's get too deep into a knockout round in one of the comp you know, competitions okay quarterfinals maybe is somewhat deep but either somebody would have said fighting for top four or going deep in a in a cup competition is okay and mm -hmm. we can talk about Salzburg now, but obviously if we don't get through that, then neither is happening. Yeah, so I, so I think the question really is, um, I mean, Salzburg on Thursday, we play the first, um, the first leg there. And as we were talking before, I mean, the thing about the Europa League, when you get into the, the knockout rounds, the round of 32 can be... Um, fairly problematic sometimes because of the way teams are parachuted in from the Champions League and, and the way that the the um, seeding or or lack up thereof works. So it's kind of you know what we've seen before in this competition is if you if you can get past the first knockout round, then sometimes it turns out that 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 may be the toughest opponent you face for another couple anyway. So. Um, I think it would be really, really useful for for Villarreal to to progress. But what what do we know about Salzburg and and what are our chances here? Um, when when we first had the draw, I felt great about it because uh, Salzburg, like all the other Red Bull teams, likes to press a lot. And uh, and before Ibora got hurt, I mean, we were just our midfield was absolutely press proof. I mean, we we'd face like all of the top five highest pressing teams in the Liga, and we've done extremely well against all of them. Mm -hmm. uh, it's a little bit different ball of wax now, um, but we got to remember, I mean, Salzburg still only has a three-point lead over Rapid Vien in their own league. So this isn't like, this isn't like a team that has been completely dominant on their domestic front this season, and, you know, mm -hmm. it's just been rolling in all competitions. Like, this is... This is a team that's that's even with our injuries is less talented than we are, and as long as we can piece together enough of a midfield to handle the press, we shouldn't really have too much of a problem. Okay, Sid. Yeah, I, I think the round of thirty-two has been has been a troublesome one for us. Again, it it sort of depends, but I I would look at this being more concerned about our form than I would necessarily yeah, the opponent. I think that's right. I think the I think the opponent is solid enough to cause us problems. Uh, I think one thing that we've talked about is teams with pace cause us problems. This is certainly a very young team. Uh, I wouldn't wouldn't speak to the to the 
quantitative stats nearly as well as Zach, but I'm imagining they have pace and that can cause us problems defensively. Um, so I, I think my concern is I don't see us playing sort of good uh, cup tie football right now. I don't see us sort of being able to see out a 1-0 uh, mm. result. So I imagine we're talking about three or four goals to win the tie. Um, you know, we failed to score an open play against Betis. So can do we have... Do we have right now what it takes to score three or four goals? I think we certainly certainly have the quality, mm-hmm. um, but we've got to figure out the midfield to make sure the chances are coming. And I think, you know, I don't think this tie is being decided in 90 minutes. I think it's going to go very open into the second leg, and we'll have to see what happens. Yeah, I mean, I, it, it, as you say, it is hard to tell. Um, it's it's always difficult to know when you see a team that is steamrolling in its league, um, winning matches, six nil, six, two, eight, two. They have been playing very well of late in their league, I guess. Um, I guess the only thing we can say is they did lose to Atleti in the, um, I mean, they were in the Champions League, and they were yeah, in the Yeah, their group was, was with Bayern and Atletico, so right. pretty, pretty, safe, pretty yeah. safe parachute for them. So, uh, so we, have, we have four, like, with the two Atletico games, that means that we have four matches in common with them, because um, we both played Atletico, and then they played Maccabi Tel Aviv twice in Champions League playoffs before Maccabi fell down into our group. That is true. Uh, so they beat Maccabi 2-1 and then beat Maccabi 3-1 and then and they lost to Atletico 3-2 and lost to Atletico 2-0. Curiously enough, they actually outperformed Atletico on expected goals in the game they lost 2-0. Hmm. But that just kind of feels like a Simeone special to me. I mean, that's just yeah. kind of what he does. That's just what he does, yeah. So. Yeah, so, yeah. And we match up very well with Atletico for right. whatever the reasons whatever. are over a number of years. So. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you're right. They're a young they're a young club, and they've got, I mean, their two big goal scorers are um, Sekou Koita, I'm sure I'm mispronouncing this, who is a, a Malian, um, age 21, 14 goals in the league so far. And the other um, lots of lots of rumors about him moving moving on, which is what which the is club what does. Red Bull does. Um, Patson Daka, who's a Zambian, um, I assume a Zambian. Yes, he's an international. Also, thirteen goals in uh, the league so far. He had twenty four last year. So you know, think of there, there's clearly some some pace there. And then um, Berisha. Mirgin Berisha, who is uh, born in Kosovo, uh, I guess he's German nationality. He has eight goals for them. So you know they're scoring tons of goals in in uh, their league. Anyway, don't forget though that they lost Dominic Sobislai, uh in January. That's true. He moved. Yeah, he got basically got promoted to the A team. He went over to Leipzig in Germany, and he was there. He was their main creative force in the first half of the season. Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah. Basically, basically, we should win this. Basically, we should win this game. And if we don't, then you know, I, 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 me being the person who is as willing as anybody on our forum to defend Unai Emery would, you know, will full heartedly agree. Like there are serious questions to be asked. We should beat this team. Well, I do want to point out that in their last match against Swarovski Tyrol, which I know nothing about. Oh, they're from Innsbruck. Okay. the Salzburg were trailing 2-1. Um, they scored a goal to tie it in the 79th minute, and they got two goals in the last two minutes of play. So it would behoove us to play the entire 90 minutes plus injury time. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, all three of the guys you mentioned scored in that match. That is correct, so, yes. Yeah. Yes, yeah. I also wanted to note, there. I didn't realize... But I've forgotten this, I guess. But um, former Philadelphia Union um, midfielder Brendan Aronson is on this team. Um, Salzburg bought him in January for five and a half million. So, and he's apparently gotten a couple of starts since he came over. So, 
Um, so there will be an American connection there. Probably, I expect he will be playing. Mm-hmm. So buying, buying, and buying a nineteen-year-old. Yeah. So well, yep. yeah. I mean, that's what that's as we said. That's, that's kind of their that's kind of their model. Yep. Yeah. So okay. So um, yeah, I think that I think the the matchup uh, as as you said, there's a couple of things they have about them that that. Uh, worry me, but we should, um, I think in terms of experience and everything we should, we should go through, but, um, you know, one never knows. That's why you play the matches. So, yeah. And, uh, and Zach, what we were talking a little bit about this, I mean, is this sort of, you gotta go all in on the Europa league. I mean, are we, are we starting whatever the A team 11 is, which I think we have to figure out. Um, and then we have, you know, two matches on either side, Athletic and Atletico. And obviously now we only have a three-point cushion behind us uh, to hang on to six. But are we are we sort of less concerned about that and and have to have to play our best guys midweek going forward? Uh, yeah, the the that's where that's where losing instead of drawing um, yesterday really killed us because, mm-hmm. like you say, it's mm-hmm. that three point it's that three point cushion instead of a six point cushion. Um, here's the I really truly think that um, Athletic Club with Marcelino is going to be a train wreck regardless of who we play. Um, because I just they're, they're going to be so different than the athletic athletic club that we saw earlier this season that I, I think you just you play your starters uh, against Salzburg you set up cohesively and try to ride out the athletic club game finish off the Europa League tie and then just basically basically just try to stay afloat in the league until the derby uh, and then focus on the Europa League tie so that's that's me. Yeah, I mean, we've, the the way that runs is we've got Athletic Club um, and Atletico and Valencia. Those are the three matches that the Salzburg games sit in the middle of. Um, but if we got... Yeah, and, uh, if, if and get, Betis in this next three has Hetafe, Cadiz, Alaves. So yeah. if they're actually able to take care of teams at the bottom of the table... You know, they they will equal or pass us um, in that stretch. Right, but the but I think then, I think of course, I mean I'm kind of like Zach. I think you kind of go all in on this round of the Europa League because if you if you progress, then you're into the round of sixteen. You have that draw. Um, you can see who you're up against. But your next three matches that. I, that would get where those matches would fall. You've got Abar and Cadiz and Granada in there, so it's a little more manageable. And we can't beat those teams anyway, so it well, doesn't matter. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> so I, I mean, I think you really do have to try. I, I think you really do have to try and go all in. And I, and I'll repeat what I said um, in one of the other podcasts, which is that I think. You can you can argue about what expectations were, what expectations should be with with all the injuries and everything else. But I think what the fan base is really looking for is something that we can really point to as a defining moment of our season that's a real positive. And whether that's advancing to the Europa League final or 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 even it's advancing to it's beating Salzburg, it's going up against a a big. Um, team in the next round and beat. I mean, I think we want something that we can say, Hey, we did this this year, you know, so far. I mean, if we'd gotten to, if we'd been able to get to the Copa, um, semi or certainly the final, that would have been, that would have been like that, but we don't have anything yet. And I think it's kind of important so far. The best thing we have is the first half hour against, um, against Celta. Um, it's also yeah, worth yeah. noting that, that some of the rotation the next couple of weeks might take care of itself. Uh, it all depends on when guys get healthy back from injury. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. You know, so like, we'll get we'll get Trigueros back for the Salzburg game, and I think that was a, as much as we hated to lose the Betis game. It was probably a good time for him to catch a rest. So we'll have him fresh for the Salzburg game, 
and probably still fresh enough to turn around and play again against Athletic Club. And then, you know, if we can get – I've lost hope on Copeland being healthy, but if we can get Kapu <laughs> healthy sometime in the middle of that run of games, you know, that, that kind of helps the rotation in and of itself. Yeah, that's true. Um, one thing I was just looking here is in the league anyway, we don't have anybody on four yellow cards except for Ebora, and he's not going to be picking up another one anytime soon. So, you know, in, 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 we, we shouldn't have another yellow card enforced absence for, for a couple of matches anyway, because we've got several people on three, but nobody, um, and Pedraza on six, but that means he needs four more. So, so there's that, but then, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of not expecting Kokolan to, um, to, do much, but but if we can get Kapu back, um, that'll help for sure. Okay, any last thoughts and, before? I, yeah, I gotta I gotta throw out there, Alan, on your mentioning sort of the we we want a moment to hang our hat on. Do you know the highest placed team in the league that we've beaten this year? Uh, it would not be anybody ahead of us, would it? It would be. I don't know, maybe ninth. Yeah, it's it's Celta. <laughs> imagine, <laughs> imagine that. Just imagine that. So, so yeah, you're not you're you, literally that is the high point of the season. That is the best team we have beaten this year. So, so again, you know, lots of draws. We're not losing to teams above us, but but we're not yeah, winning either. The, yeah, that that mo- right now, I think the best moment of the season is beating Girona in the Copa. Um, so so let's hope that there's a long Europa League run ahead of that. Okay, so. <laughs> Zach, any last thoughts before we wrap up? Uh, if you told me at the beginning of the year that mid February we would have twelve draws, I just don't think I'd believe you. Um, but you know what? I, I still don't, you know, I know when you were emailing us about the podcast, you used the word crisis. And to me, a crisis is what's happening 45 minutes down the road in Valencia. Uh, by by <laughs> comparison, they make me look at our situation and say, you know what? You know, my week's not going so bad. Right. Uh, <laughs> right. Um, but, you know, it hang in there. We'll know, we'll know a lot more about how we react to our season over the next month or so. I think Emory comes back next season regardless, and we try to run it back. Um, But, yeah, everything hangs on the Europa League right now, so let's gear up for Salzburg. All right. That sounds sounds good. So the match on Thursday in Salzburg, following Thursday in Virial. So in Devant Virial for for, uh, Sid and Zach. This is Alan. Thank you for listening.